welcome to Unexpressed, where we express the inexpressible. My name is David White, and I'm the publisher at Whitefire. Over the years, I've had the privilege and opportunity to work with some really amazing people, very talented authors mostly, who have a unique view of the world. Our focus has been on the things that are important and challenging, viewed through the lens of storytelling. Our readers and our listeners are a part of that process. So if you're like us, and you're looking for a podcast that would challenge you, and encourage you to challenge yourself, you've come to the right place. Today we chat with Hannah Curry, author of Heart of a Royal and the soon-to-be-released Heart of a Princess, comes out later this year. We talk about why she writes YA and how that genre has had a profound effect on her life. We also touch on why she, and maybe every female on the planet, love stories about princesses and books with beautiful dresses on the cover. And on a more serious note, how you should be prepared for God having something different in store for you than you might have expected. We're here this morning. Early where I am, but late where our guest is today. Our guest is Hannah Curry, uh, author of Heart of a Royal, and um, she's coming to us from Queensland, Australia, is it? Yep, it's from Queensland. Awesome. And so it's about 6.45 in the morning here, and what, about 8.45 or so? Yep, almost 9 In the evening. Yeah. 9 o'clock in sure the evening is. there. So. Hopefully, we're both still having enough energy to, <laughs> to, to be sensible. But yeah, this I think this will have a natural stopping point, uh, probably for Hannah more so than me. Uh, I might get better. <laughs> it's going to be hard to say. <laughs> I'll try and stay awake. It's all good. Awesome. Well, I think maybe we will start with you just uh, introducing yourself, saying a you know little bit about who you are, why you. Uh, why you're a writer now, because that seems like an interesting story we might need to dig into a little bit deeper. Um, How much detail is it? Do you want that? (laughs) uh, I would say tell as much as you want. Maybe I'll stop you and ask questions as it goes along. Sure. Well, I'm Hannah, as you said. Um, I'm from Queensland, Australia. I've lived my whole life in Australia, um, in Queensland. I have three kids. I love writing. I love reading. All that normal kind of stuff. Um, I started writing because, I don't know, because I loved writing uh, is the short answer. The long answer goes a bit longer, obviously. Um, when I, I've always loved reading and always loved writing. I, but up until probably 2009, I'd never written anything seriously, like not past the first couple of chapters or anything. Um And then, yeah, I had a bit of time when I was pregnant with my first child and mum said, you should try and write a book. And I'm like, okay, I'll see if I can get past the first chapter. So I did. And I wrote a book and decided I really loved writing. Um, But yeah, no, I started writing Young Adult though, because just of the influence that books had had in my life during my young adult years. Um, Just, yeah, different authors who really impacted me through their books, um, through their writing. And yeah, how's that? <laughs> That's pretty good. That's a good start. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah you said, uh, let's see if we can get through the first couple chapters. That always seems like it must be the hardest part. Uh, I, yeah. I don't know if that was your experience or if it just all sort of flowed and came out. Some people some people do better and some people do worse than others. So, <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. I've always, like, I always had all these ideas for stories. So, like even yep. through all my teens and everything, I had all these great ideas and then I'd write the first few chapters and then just kind of, I don't know, run out of energy, run out of ideas, run out of time, who knew? Um, but, yeah, so I never really got much past there. I have a whole heap of first chapters for books in files in different places. But, yeah, I guess when I 
decided to just start writing, I thought oh, I'd better see if I can get past this and totally fell in love with the idea of stories and the whole thing. And once you do one, it's kind of cool to think I've written a whole book and then it's easy to do the others. But I wouldn't say I still write the first chapters first. Sometimes I write like the end almost before I write the start, but I don't tend to go in order, which hopefully won't show in my books. But that's, yeah. That's funny. I don't think we've had anyone have uh, the same process. Uh, you know, I, we've, for whatever reason, gotten into process with different people. And, um, you know, some people always start at the beginning. Some people start with characters. Some uh, some people start in, in totally different places. So that's, that's yeah. interesting. I, I think you're well, much more in my line of, let's start with the end because I know the end. Yeah. And- well, all my books I've written have actually come out in a different way, like, um, Heart of a Royal, I pretty much wrote from start to finish, but that's the first one I've ever written from start to finish. Um, other ones I kind of, my general process is I write what I know and then fill in the rest afterwards. So I'll tend to get to the end with lots of r- scenes all the way through and then have to go back and fill in all the rest of what was happening around it is generally what happens. But yeah, yeah. I wouldn't say I necessarily write in order. <laughs> yeah. So you touched on it a little bit and I'll start with the question I have tried to start with everyone, which is why yep. do you write what you write, which you said you, you write young adult because of some of that experience, but maybe we can dig some, a little bit deeper into that. Yeah, no, there's a few reasons. Um, one, I love reading young adult books. Um, I, I don't know. There's just something about them that, um, coming of age kind of thing. Um, and yeah, it's a lot of people, I mean, I like romance and there's a lot of romance in young adult books, but it's also, yeah, that coming of age, it's where people are making a lot of fairly big life decisions without much, I don't know, wisdom behind it, I guess. Um, So the things that talk to them kind of impact them a lot in that time, but they can also, I don't know, make some really stupid decisions, which make for great stories. Um, Okay, I don't think I've ever heard anyone say that before. (laughs) That's awesome. Maybe I shouldn't say that. No, I I, I I love young adults. Absolutely true. (laughs) That's my second reason is I spent a lot of time. um, I spent ten years as a like mentor for teenagers, um, youth leader at at church, and just loved getting alongside um, girls in high school and just helping them as they made all those decisions and that, and just realizing how. I don't know what an exciting time it was to be part of that and having God use me in that way was just really, yeah, impacted my life. And I don't get that chance as much anymore, but through writing, I feel like I still have a chance to be there for some of those girls, I guess. Um, and that, and yeah, cause different Robin Jones gun particular during my teen years, I found a lot of who I became was because of things I'd read um, in her Christy Miller books and in other things and different I know writers coming alongside at different points in my life who God used a lot in my life. So yeah, the thought of God using me in that way in other people's lives is just really exciting. So that's probably my three reasons. (laughs) Did you realize at the time that the people you were reading were going to have such an effect on your life or did, did that happen later? And if it happened later, (laughs) when did, when did you realize it? It was probably at the time, like, I said, I've always read a lot. Um, I was one of those people who probably had more, probably spent a lot more time reading than I did talking to people, which I wouldn't say is a good thing these days, but people are good to talk to. I've done that. I wouldn't that. say that. <laughs> uh, you know, our, I, I suspect our audience here uh, connects with that pretty pretty directly. True. 
That's very true. Yeah. Well, I, yeah, I did realize at the time the impact they were having, like when I'd write things down in my journal and write down quotes from different books and that, and yeah, decisions and relationships and things like that, which I'd read, made from situations that I'd worked through with God through different fiction books I'd read. So yeah, fiction had a very powerful impact on my life and still has. Um, so yeah, I probably did realize at the time and probably even more after, but yeah, at the time I did as well. And just, I don't know, I wrote to a few authors during that time, thanking them for letting God speak through them and then through me. So yeah, I guess I did. <laughs> so how many of the authors actually replied and when most when of them was do. That? Yeah. Um, oh, most of them have replied in some form. Um, authors are great. I really like authors. They're good fun. Um, and yeah, most of them have replied. So yeah, which has been lovely of them. It's always kind of exciting when you think, oh, I spoke to the author of the book. And that. So yeah, <laughs> probably and not as al- much to you, but always excited. Well, uh, <laughs> I don't know. I would say, you know, when uh, that, that's a different story, but uh, yeah, true. Sorry. Yeah. You know, well, no, no. When you're an author, though, like you're not, you don't really think of yourself as any kind of celebrity, right? Like no one follows you around. No, no one takes <laughs> pictures. Pretty much, you're even if you're a, a somewhat household name, you, you don't yeah. get well well noticed. So even with a little bit of pseudo celebrity, like it's still nice when people reach out to you and, and oh, yeah. tell tell you what difference things have made. So. I get so excited when authors write back. I'm like, oh, that's so – and I'm like, they're just real people, but it's just kind of fun when they write back and you're like, oh, someone famous wrote to me. (laughs) So now that the shoe's on the other foot, how are you taking to uh, having people write to you or has that not (laughs) happened much yet? A few people have. I do a little bounce around the room, get super excited thing, and then go, oh, I sound like a real author now, so – I don't know, I still have in my head that I'm not a real author, but then talking to authors who've been writing books for decades and they still think the same thing. So I guess yeah, we're kind of on the same boat. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, so, I mean, you hate to say authors seem like you're only as good as your last book or, or something like that sometimes. Uh, you know, at least that's a feeling I feel like so many of them have. And yeah. This one's no, never be. as good as the last thing that you did. And, you know, a, a very insecure lot. So you know, be, be nice, be nice yeah. to, be nice to the I think, authors. <laughs> I think a lot of professions are like that though. That I think we're be. all just pretending, honestly. Oh, uh, well, yeah. <laughs> Maybe so. don't go with that. It's all good. No, no. Uh, I think that's, that's a really interesting thing to, to track down. Uh, w- what made you say that? I mean, it's just besides your experience. Do you see that? Is there anyone else you see? Like, yes, my, you know, my father always was a pretender. I don't know. Maybe that's a bad example. No, 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 not at all. No, it wasn't that. I just, from different people I've talked to, different authors, different people and professions and that, just how many people are just hoping that, I don't know, no one notices that they don't always know exactly what they're doing. I don't think it's just writers. I think there's probably a lot of things. I would say it's definitely true for publishers. We've always pretended to be <laughs> much, much bigger than than we are right up to the moment where you go, well, we're almost good at this. So Yeah. I used to do it. (laughs) I had a um, totally off topic. I don't know if I'm allowed this. When I was in percussion ensemble in high school, we had this one piece where I couldn't play it at all, but the girl beside me was playing the same part on xylophone. And so 
I just copied her sticks like the entire time till one day I realized I could actually play it. And I'm like, I was just faking. I was trying to do the same movement she was just to keep it in time and yeah, realize one day I could play it without even realizing. <laughs> so there you go. It does I work. That's, I guess that's how you learn <laughs> generally, right? You just do what you see well, someone yeah. else doing. Yeah. Yeah. That's perfect. It's true. <laughs> So along that line, I, I've bumped into things with quite a few of the authors who um, don't like things that we like. So your your bio says you don't like coffee. So what's up no, with that? Can't stand coffee. I've never been able to. I'm sorry. I don't no. drink it. I hate this flavor. It's just not. I like chai latte. They're I like lovely. hot chocolate. And yeah, tea I'll drink if it's a cold day, but not a big tea drinker. But yeah. Sorry, just can't handle coffee. I don't even like coffee-flavored lollies or anything. They're just oh. It's just not my thing. Do you like the smell or is it no. any part of it that you like? <laughs> okay. No, I really don't. I've met people who say, well, I like the smell, but the taste is horrible. And I, I kind of get that, but... No, I've never really liked it. So, all right. it's all good. <laughs> anything, uh, anything else like that that... You know, no one knows, or maybe not no one knows, but that maybe <laughs> general readers aren't going to pick up out of your books. Um, you mean that's not on my website? Or? Oh, well, Yikes. I mean, I only know really what's on your website <laughs> and, you know, what, what we've picked up here or there. So, I don't know. Um, I'm just trying to be one of those good interviewers that gets you to say something. No, no, there, go so. for it. Oh, good luck on that one. Uh, um, no, I'm sure not. <laughs> I love Disney music. Pretty much sing most. I come from a family who pretty much all read. Um, I have five brothers and four sisters. That's probably interesting. But I don't that know. is interesting. I think. What else do you want to know? <laughs> and we weren't homeschooled, so. And all, a lot of that information is available on her bio on her website. You should go visit hannahcurry.com. Just it took the, me a long time to come up with all that stuff. Yeah? You know, yeah. it's really hard because we're all pretty boring until people start saying, well, you're like this and this and this. And you think, oh, that's interesting. Yeah. I didn't think that was interesting. Yeah. So most people think it's interesting I come from Australia. So that's a good place to start. Absolutely. I, I think I said to you when we first talked uh, that we should definitely do this because people would just like listening to you. <laughs> well... Uh, there you go. I'll just keep talking, shall I? <laughs> I? Maybe I think that's a good thing. So let's let's get into your book a bit, since we've spent a little time talking about you and and why uh -huh. why you write things. So, um, Heart of a Royal is, you know, uh, everyone calls it a princess book, but I felt yeah, like it was a, a whole whole lot more than that. So okay. let, let's let's start with the princess book aspect, and I'll tune out, and you can talk for a few minutes. Talk talk to the people who you know fawn over <laughs> that. That uh, you know, the, we men folk apparently don't don't connect with quite as much, and uh, probably not. No, <laughs> no. So, so I, I'll ask you the same question I ask everyone. What what is the allure of of the princess story? Oh, it's just. I don't know. I love, I've always loved royals. Like I love just the idea that they're normal people, but everything they do is almost so much bigger than everything else because it's just that, I don't know, everyone has expectations of royals. And the second they do something, it's, I don't know, it's like 
yeah, you expect them to behave in a certain way. You expect them to dress a certain way and they're supposed to be perfect all the time. And so when they make a mistake or when they do anything that's not exactly right or that's different from our expectations, it's just, I don't know, it's just such a big deal. So like a normal person making a mistake and they just kind of go on and go on to the next day and apologise or whatever. But if the royal makes a mistake, it's just worldwide news and it's everywhere and everyone has their opinion on it and everything. So I guess the idea of writing about royals was just, I don't know, one that's got pretty dresses and fun stuff like that and you get to put these gorgeous covers on, which Rosanna is a champion. Um, But, yeah, so they have pretty covers, they have pretty dresses and everything, but they're also just these people who – Everyone has their expectation before they even start reading the book of what's going to happen. So you said all of that about why royals are so interesting and why people are connect with that. Yeah. But your main character uh, isn't Isn't exactly one of those people (laughs) exactly. Not really, no. So why did you choose to start there? Why her? Um, Yeah. Well, Heart of Royal specifically was actually based on a dream I had one night, um, which was a very loose idea that this girl had been brought up in a palace um, and alongside the royal family but wasn't the royal. And then like this, I don't know how much to say of the story, but this whirlwind came and all this stuff happened and it's everything that happened after that. And admittedly the dream finished totally different from the book. Um, so that's not any spoiler or anything. They always do, Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> But the basis of it, I like. I loved the basis of that dream. That was probably, I don't know, a decade ago. Um, but I wrote it down because I loved the idea of just this girl who'd grown up in the palace and was friends with these people, but there was just that divide between them and, and just that. So when I thought about, I'd read my sister, my then, I don't know, 14-year-old sister, um, and I had read this series of books that we both loved and it finished. And I'm like, oh, but I want to keep reading. So I sent this email saying, so I've got this idea for a book, which would be fun. And what do you think? And so she sent me back this email straight off saying, yes, absolutely. Yes, please. And so I yeah, started writing Heart of a Royal and I wrote a chapter a week for, I don't know, three months or so. And I would send her a chapter a week which was, looking back, probably really mean of me because she only got to read that chapter each week and had no idea for the three months how it was ending. Um, but, yeah, it gradually I, Yeah, so worked. I've always loved the idea <laughs> of actually doing a series like that and releasing it, like, to the public. Um, yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I just, like, maybe I'm, I'm, I'm cruel to the readers, but just to say yeah. we're going to send you a chapter I, a week for, like, a year. And yeah, I think it's a lot more fun for the author than it is for the readers, looking back, but because I thought it was awesome. I loved her reaction every week of, like, me handing on a cliffhanger each time and she'd be annoyed and jokingly annoyed and that. So, anyway. Um, but, yeah, so I started writing the book. I kept going with that and, yeah, just different parts of my life started coming into the book and, um yeah, just different characters as they came on. Like Alina wasn't in the dream, um, but suddenly she came in because she was the friend and stuff. So, yeah, just the different relationships and the different people who needed to fill it out and it ended up changing. So, yeah, Kenna was always there from the start and Ben. Ben was the name of the guy in the dream, so he turned into Prince Thoroben. Um, But, yeah, that's where that one came from. 
and it is royal, like it's all princessy, but it's just a bit different because she's not exactly a princess. <laughs> well, I mean, that's the brilliance of it from a princess book perspective, right? Because none of us are. Uh, well, yeah, that's true. I'm definitely not. <laughs> but, you know, unless, I mean, there, I guess there are very few natural princesses these days. So. Yeah, it's but true. everyone sort of wants to be one. I, I don't know. I don't know if you have any well, opinions yeah. on, you know, the... What, whether I want to be a princess royals or, or you know, uh, <laughs> I don't think I'd want to be one, but I love the idea of all the dresses and the glamour of it all. And people making dinner. Yeah, people can make me dinner every night. That would be fantastic. But yeah, the you know, actual you can have being that in the spotlight as it is. All the you just time. have to make yeah. a lot of money. Yeah, I know. Yeah, a lot more money than we probably make. <laughs> yeah. So I, I'd take that part of the royalty, but not the actual having to marry a prince and be in the spotlight all the time thing. Yeah. So. I, I, there's parts that I remember thinking, um, like, I guess she had to, that was this book, right? I'm not, I'm not totally <laughs> splitting two together, but like memorize a whole lot of like protocols and, and those kinds yes. of things. Like, yeah. That I think I would run and hide. Yeah. You know, just Annoying page after who, page of who people are and yeah, the right way to what address them. What you can them. say and what you can't and, not that that's not my idea of fun, but I do no. like putting people in situations like that to see what happens to them. I guess well, because, that's an author thing. <laughs> and because you can write their way out of it. For, exactly. Yeah. For your average person, we sort of uh, well, we may actually go hide in the corner when it's all said and done. Uh, I would I'd be like, uh, I'm sorry, uh, Mister. Yeah, you're great. I'm out. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But then you get in trouble for it if you're a royal. So. Yeah. So that's well, the point. It is. <laughs> There's those expectations again. So it, you also write about this very particular person. And um, what is, I'm, I'm so bad with names, whether they're real people <laughs> or, or characters. Um, her name is. Uh, help me. Help me, please. Dig me <laughs> Which out. Which character? What, the main uh, character? Heart of the Royal, yes. Main Heart character. Heart of the Royal, yeah. Kenna. Yeah. McKenna. Kenna. Okay. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Sorry, uh, didn't know where you're going there. I, I, I was thinking about the the new story. Uh, Alina. Alina. Princess yeah. Alina is the newest her, one. Her name yeah. kept running through my head, and I knew that was wrong, because yep. I, I, every time I think of her name, I see pink, and that's just the way it is. Well, that's a lot of what she is. That's what she's known for, is pink. So I was pretty excited to have a pink cover for this one, because I love pink. Yeah, that's... Uh, any, anyone, go, go look that up. Heart of a Princess. Uh, the yes. cover will be all over social media and Hannah's website. So, but, um, Kenna, uh, Kenna, thank you. I need to write this stuff down. I, I don't have my normal notepad here with my notes. Um, she, she has what I, I wonder, I don't know if you write it this way, but it's almost a, a superpower or a, you know, spiritual gift in, in the way that she interacts with the regular people. Um, yeah. and, you know, on one hand, you'd say, well, she's a regular person, she so she understands them. But on the other hand, she grew up around all of these, you know, actual yeah. royalty. So, yeah. Uh, I don't know. I think so, I think of yeah. her as like a, she's kind of a, I don't know, bridge between the two, between the royals and the non-royals um, in that like everyone knows she's not really a royal. So she's kind of their, I don't know, their level, I guess so she can do things that the royals can't. But at the same time, she's almost their ambassador 
for their family. So she's still royal in that way. So, yeah, she's kind of between the two. I think at one point I wrote that both her and the two, um, Prince Thorobin and Princess Alina, were kind of stuck between the two families of part of both but not really either. I can't remember. But it's It was worded better in the book. Um, yeah, but the but, people yeah, seem to love but, her for, you know, just being. she cares. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, I think, Yeah. Yeah, it's, I think it's that way she cares and she really believes in them and she loves them and that. So, yeah, they're her people. They're, yeah, she really does care. What we kind of want from our leaders in general, right? Like, please, yeah. actually just care about everyone. Um, I guess it's sad that that's remarkable, but it, it seems fairly, fairly the case. I mean, <laughs> and I, I don't mean to, like, get down on like modern, you know, actual real royal families, but they seem to care about things like uh, global warming and, you know, these big things, but like the individual people, you know, you don't get to interact with them in the same way that you do in the story. And I guess that's, uh, you know, the benefit of a story. I don't know. I think a lot of where you want. I don't know. I see the, the, um, I forgot the name, Prince William and Kate, they spend a lot of time with different charities and different people meeting kids and stuff in schools and meeting, I don't know, different mental health things and stuff. We only in America see them, you know, in, in the big, when, when they're taking big swings at big things. So oh, okay. you're right about the way yeah. they, they interact with. I guess with I follow, there. I follow different Royals and stuff on Facebook because I like Royals. Um, okay. So who do you so- <laughs> follow and why? Oh, just them. They just like, I follow the Queen's Facebook page and the Cambridges and that. So, um, yeah, just to see what they're up to and different things. I like looking at the gowns when they wear them, but I don't know. I love the queen. She's so sweet. <laughs> so yeah. yeah, a lot of the stuff they do day to day will come up on there and that with, yeah. So they do a lot to do with like mental health and, um, going to meet with kids and start gardens and, they do. They seem to do all that anyway. <laughs> okay. No, so, I, I, yeah. <laughs> I, I guess I wasn't. I, I'm not totally up on what uh, William and Kate what, really? are into. No, I'm sorry. Well, I follow them probably more than the average American, to be honest. Okay. Um, be, See, but, they're, uh, they're like our royals. So yeah. in Australia, because we're part yeah. of Commonwealth and everything, so yeah. we can claim them. <laughs> and and Americans were not allowed to like them, so I, really? I'm not sure. Well, I think. Uh, you know, I wouldn't I'm know. Sure, I'm not sure who we're allowed to like now. Are we oh, allowed okay. to like, you know, uh, you know, the, now that they've married Me- an American, Meghan is and that them? okay? Yeah. Is that okay? I don't know. <laughs> Megan and Harry. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I don't follow them, but they well, turn up in things. So they do, <laughs> but no, but I like yours better because they, they're, they seem like real people to me. And okay. And I think I, I tried to write them less not less real. I wanted them to be very real characters, but in a kind of almost unreal kind of world so that there wasn't quite as much, I don't know, pressure to be real. <laughs> that okay, sounds so terrible. <laughs> I actually think that might be a big part of it, right? Because our our world does put a lot of expectations on us in, in some different and weird ways. But yeah. you, the world you built here is, it's modern, but it's not modern. So... So what? T- tell us a little bit about the world because that's that's interesting. Cover up. Yeah. Okay, so I wrote I wrote 
uh, it's called Peverell. Well, the main country. They're also there's Hodinia is near it and that. But I, I wanted to write as like this little kind of country that was kind of modern but almost stuck in the past in a they're real, they still care about each other. They're not so caught up in, I don't know, telephones and social media and everything that they couldn't just be real. Um, and, yes, partly that was, I don't know, shall I be honest here, partly that was because I didn't want to have to um, stick with, I guess, situations that had happened in the world. Like I thought if I put it in actual earth as is then you've got to stick with history and you've got to stick with real people and people go oh that's set in this year in this country she's talking the wrong way or she's forgotten about this major event that happened or something I thought if I put it in almost this fairy tale kind of world then I guess I get to make up my own rules which wasn't really being lazy it was more just like I wanted to be able to have certain situations happen where like something would happen in the book which wouldn't necessarily happen in a normal country these days. So I guess that's where that mix of modern day with fairy tale kind of rules came into that. Yeah, I mean, it's sort of a, a, a Disney princess type of, of rule yeah. set in some ways. Like, they do that. They do that, I think, better than, than most, you know. They build yeah. a world that is totally accessible, but it's not... Uh, it's not your world and it's not yeah. the world 200 years ago either because there's no... Yeah, it's you know, kind of got this fantasy kind of idea to it, but still in the world we know, so... Yeah, yeah. when I was reading yours for the first time at, when it was just a submission, I was trying to figure out, like, wait, is this <laughs> is this a fantasy? What, 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 you know, what are you trying to build here? Yeah. You know, because I, I, you don't see any, you know, there's no magic, there's, you know... None no, that exactly. there's no dragons or fairies or anything, but... No, well, and, you know, some <laughs> of that stuff can be more subtle in yeah. in the fantasy realm, I guess, to say to say that, but... But, <laughs> uh-huh. yeah, I, I wasn't quite sure what to expect, I guess, is what it came down to, is that yeah. these people... And that's what I liked about it in the end, was they're just good people, right? It Well, yeah. except maybe the, the king father. The king? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's got some growth to come. Don't give up on him yet. Oh no, no, because I I get him. Um, okay. I I I understand him, uh, and I think he does the things that I would want to do, but probably wouldn't have the guts to do. Like, yeah, his instincts are very human. So yeah, well, I wanted him to be very real. I was trying to think of like what would. Given, like, his wife's died, given this has happened, he's the king, he's got to be in charge. Like, how would, obviously I'm not a king, I'm not even a guy, but how would they react to that and how would that have impacted his life? How would it impact, like, his son's life, his daughter's life and that? So, yeah, I tried to make them real, (laughs) as real as fictional characters can be. So I don't know if you want to talk any about your new book, which I'll admit I have not had a chance to pick up and read. So I'm, I'm totally on my own, but I can imagine there's a lot of pink and a lot of, um, well, it probably starts with a little bit of heartache. I'm not a hundred percent sure where this is going to be, but you know, yeah, you certainly hard. leave Elena in the, <laughs> yeah. a place where she's very happy, but you can sort of see the writing on the wall that it might not stay that way for a long time. Yeah. Yeah, it's, I don't know, it's hard to say kind of her story without giving away spoilers from the first one. 
um, because it does finish. Uh, sorry, Alina's the second book does start a few um, a few weeks after the first one finishes. So yeah, that finishes that. But no, Alina is. As I said I was trying to um, think of how what had happened would impact her. So what would be her story? Um, when I started writing it, all I knew, as opposed to Kenna's story, the first one, um, Heart of a Royal, I knew the entire story. I knew what was going to happen. I knew every scene. It was just a case of filling in details. Whereas Alina's story, I knew who she married and that was it. And even that changed a few times while I was writing it because she is just um, frustrating character to write because she had so many layers um, and that like she was kind of one person on the outside and one person on the inside and writing that in first person to kind of get across that yeah she's not like I had a few people say oh, I didn't really like Alina much in Heart of Royal which made it interesting to then go oh well she's the character from the next book um, so yeah to write her I ended up writing a story quite a few times in different versions to try and get right to the heart of um, Alina. But, yeah, no, she's um, she's been a princess her whole life. She's very pink. She's one of these perfect people who pretty much hysterical, stereotypical Disney princess where everything goes her way, everything, she always looks gorgeous and that. But to then, I don't know, her story is to then put her in a situation where it doesn't um, and kind of nothing goes her way and i think you know obviously need to go read the go read the book now so anyone listening go go read go read heart of a royal and heart of a princess will be out july when is that out? july that's too long well yeah, okay. i say it's too long rosanna's gonna say no it's not because we're <laughs> you still can bring not it closer if you want <laughs> no 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 we, we want it to actually be finished <laughs> that would be good yeah <laughs> Although it's got yeah. a gorgeous cover now, you can all look at the cover. So. Yeah, go look at the cover. That that'll hold hold people off. Yeah. That, that's the most important part, I think, of any of, course, of these type yeah. of books is the cover. Yeah. Um, at least that's what I've been told. <laughs> I so don't understand, but that's okay. <laughs> if it's got a pretty dress on the cover, people will buy it. It's awesome. That's well, at true. least it works. It works for me. I've picked up so many books because they've got a nice cover. So. Could, I was just yeah. ta- just talking to someone else. Oh, it was about kids' books. And they said that the very first thing they pay any attention to at all is the cover to decide what to give to their, you know, under five-year-old children. And I thought that seems odd, but okay. Yeah. uh, Maybe, I don't know. Kids books, maybe not so much, but you know, if, I don't know, if a kid's going to pick it up, if it looks ugly, they're not going to read it. Right. Yeah. It has to be, it still has to be pretty. Yeah. It it definitely sets the tone, you know. It uh, really does. Yeah. Every cover sets a tone. Don't if if you say don't judge a book by its cover, you don't understand that. Yeah, the you're covers, lying. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yes. So I might switch gears back a little bit mm-hmm. to to where you started here because I was going back through some of your your blog posts and one of them <laughs> starts out. I'd never set out to. I never set out to be a writer. So that's true. Um, what it what what did you set out to be for? For anyone who hasn't maybe read that, uh, well, all up until I was seventeen, I wanted to be a primary school teacher. Um, I just loved the idea. I don't know, getting alongside people. There you go. Um, I love the idea of just teaching and being there for kids and being that person who believed in them when no one else did. 
or when few other people did and just having that impact on kids' lives and that. Um, and then when I was, so my final year of high school, when I was, yeah, year 12 in Australia, um, I had a few friends who are older than me who were all doing uni for becoming a teacher and I looked at their work and thought, wow, it's a lot more paperwork than teaching these days and I didn't want anything to do with that. Um, I just wanted to help kids. Like I just wanted to be there for them without having to write lesson plans and do all the stuff along there. Um, so, yeah, I took a gap year after high school and did a year in Christian ministries instead and did all sorts of things like we spent a week sleeping on the streets, we worked with homeless kids, we worked with, I don't know, street things, we did like Bible college, we did a whole heap of stuff all in one year, which I loved and then I just didn't quite go back to anything after that and then, yeah, started writing not long after that and fell in love with writing, had a family and that pretty much went from there. But, yeah, no, I I think I wrote in that blog a lot about how is that the one about expectations i can't remember which one you're talking about now this is the one that yeah, uh the title is three things i learned about god uh god given, god given gifts yeah, yeah yeah so when i got arthritis is that that one or? Yeah, that's the one yes that's the yeah one. okay so yeah i did like i always wanted to be a missionary um and that from when i was about 10 i just loved the idea of going out into the world and telling people about god and i did everything I could to prepare for that because obviously as a 10-year-old, you can't really go leave your parents and head overseas. Um, but, yeah, so like I'd That sounds like it could be an interesting me. story, actually. <laughs> well, yeah, probably not super safe though. Um, no. But, yeah, so I just did everything I could. So I started reading mission books. I made friends with missionaries. I bugged them every time they came back about what they were up to when they were back on furlough. I... I don't know, read a book about a missionary kid who they didn't have rubber gloves, so I started washing up without rubber gloves because I figured that was good training to be a missionary um, and stuff like that. And then, yeah, I went on mission trips when I was 16 to Thailand and then again to Brazil when I was in uh, 18, and then I did a few different things. Um, and then I got arthrit rheumatoid arthritis, which stopped me very suddenly and changed my entire life. And suddenly the idea of leaving home and leaving chemists and all that kind of stuff and being so reliant on different medical things made that a lot harder. Um, I'm not saying it's impossible. I have friends who have the same chronic disease as me who are overseas doing missionary work. But for me, it just became a lot harder. Um, and it was almost like I had to give up that dream. Um, but yeah, then over the next couple of years, I realized that I don't know, I guess writing could almost in some ways be that mission and go places I couldn't and I could write a lot of that heart that God had given me to love people and to give people hope um, and, yeah, that I could write a lot of that into stories and that would go places that I would beyond what I'd be able to do myself um, while I was still raising my family, while I was still doing everything at home. So, yeah, it's like God gave me a new dream in that, that it wasn't a – that it was the end of my dream being missionary. It was just it didn't look the way that I thought it would. Um, and, yeah, it's really exciting now to realise how God is using that. And, yeah, like you said at the start, when people write you letters and say this impacted my life, to go, wow, like God used that silly princess story to impact someone's life in a way that I never could have imagined. So stuff I didn't purposely write into the book that people have got out of it. And I'm like, wow, that's 
yeah, I totally put that in there. So, yeah. Yeah, we, I, I talk about that so much because I think that uh, writers and readers, like authors and readers have this relationship that I think that most authors don't realize is there. Is yeah, They play an active part in, in sort of determining what the book means. Um, you know, yeah. they have to be able to read it. And everyone says, oh, well, if you write clearly, people understand what you mean. Well, they're still going to, to pick out this. They're going to zoom in on this one thing that, that yeah. says, this, this is me. And um, yeah, know. it's amazing. Like just, yeah, I said I've had someone, can't remember, yeah, someone commented that, oh, they'd learned so much about the heart of God through my book. I'm like, I don't think I even mentioned God in my book. It was just kind of, I don't know, they took it almost as an allegory kind of thing. And I'm like, well, awesome like if that's what you got from that then i've been praying all along that people would see god through this book so awesome <laughs> so but yeah and like i don't think i set out to write a book about god's love i just wanted to write that book and it came out through it well no and i think that if you set out to write a book about god's love and then you said <laughs> and i'm going to make it a princess story it the authenticity would be totally lacking yeah i, I think definitely that you have- you have to build it in naturally. You know, you start with with the characters and the setting, and then you say, all right, now I have to make them real people. And yeah. what makes them real to me? <laughs> well, what makes them real to me is that they have they have all those, you know, God's love type of things in them, right? Like, yeah. you know, I, I, I'm trying to decide how much of a soapbox to get on. <laughs> but... Uh, Can always edit out later. Yeah. But, but people <laughs> say, like, you, you've got to be... Um, I have one person that his favorite phrase was that there needs to be a deliberate presentation of the gospel in, um, in like Christian storytelling. And I thought, yeah. well, that's crazy. Not because it's bad, but because that's just not life. Like I yeah. say, when was the last time you, you wanted to be a missionary and share God's love with people? <laughs> when was the last time you actually saw someone sit down and just give the gospel story to someone? Like it does, it's, no, it, probably it doesn't happen a lot. <laughs> yeah, it shouldn't be as rare as it probably is, but it's not, you know, it, it just, yeah. it doesn't, ha- it, life doesn't happen like that. Um, it, and, you know, even when you described your life, right? Like, I think that so many people can see themselves in their own lives in that. Like, I wanted to be a school teacher until I realized that it was a lot of paperwork. Like, and I, <laughs> I went, okay, I connect with that. Because, like, in a summer during our college time, I... um was looking at taking uh, a teaching job at an organization that I had worked with. And yeah. I think I'm sure that the question that got me asked was, um, what would you do if you had behavioral problems in your classroom? And I thought, these are college bound kids. We're not going to have educational problems <laughs> in this classroom. Wow. Like, and, and I thought, okay, well, obviously I'm not prepared to be a teacher. And then I talked to my friends and family who are teachers and they say, it sounds like most of their time is spent on behavior problems. I go, okay, I'm yeah. glad that that was not a dream of mine, but yeah. And then, you know, I wanted to do this and this, but life sort of happened, right? Like you got married, you had a family. Yeah. Um, I suspect that happened somewhere in there and that yeah, happens to most of time. us too. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. you know, so life happens and you, if you put that into your storytelling, it, it, there's a certain authenticity to it. That isn't there if you're if you start with an agenda. I guess that that's yeah. Yes, I agree. <laughs> I'm okay. Not sure what else to add to that because yeah, I agree with that. <laughs> yeah. 
yeah, I mean, that, like I say, that's a soapbox of mine that I, I hate to, I hate to get up on. Um, but, and it's also interesting that you said that, um, you don't think you'd really mentioned God in your story. I'm not sure how much you can say about that without giving away too many spoilers <laughs> either, but, um, yeah. it, it's certainly, was, um, yeah. It, that it's, was almost uh, purpose. <laughs> almost? Sorry. I, I'm, no, well, I think almost, yeah, that was, I don't know. I have a lot of, I guess, friends who, I don't know, during, wow, where do I go with this one? Um, I have a lot of friends who hate the mention of God. Um, and it's like God said along the way, like, don't kind of more be Jesus than talk about him. So like you said, with putting that come to Jesus moment in there, I purposely didn't want to do that um, because I wanted it to be more a story of God in there without being blatantly saying you should become a Christian. Um, but then I guess when I started writing, my goal was more, I didn't want all my books to have like that come to Jesus moment. I just wanted to kind of just for people who read them to come that one step closer to God, whether that meant them becoming Christian, whether it meant them thinking, well, maybe God is real or maybe God doesn't hate me quite so much as I thought, or maybe God does actually care. Um, that it would just take them on that next step. Um, so, yeah, I guess I never – that's why it wasn't such a, I don't know, big deal to not really mention God as much in there, although it is a Christian book. Don't worry. I'm, it's totally a Christian book. But, yeah, it's, I just wanted to write it in a way that it wouldn't scare people off if they weren't Christian, I guess, um, because I knew that I would have friends who would read it who, I guess, wouldn't be Christian and didn't even believe God exists or anything. Um, so, yeah. To just kind of show them that. So, if you had any reader well, reaction uh, from that, that from those people, yeah, those people? I have. Um, yeah, I've had a few people who said, "Oh, I love the story." Didn't didn't agree with the God bit of it, but you knew I didn't like that anyway. But yeah, to just the thought that they would read it anyway meant a lot to me. And that, and I thought, well, there's that one bit in there that maybe one day they'll come back to something and go, "Oh, yeah, maybe." So, yeah. I guess that's my mission field. I guess. <laughs> I I think so. I, and yeah, it, it's uh, you know, I'm not sure where to go with this, but like, yeah, as a mission, writing as a as a mission field is is sort of remarkable to me, just because there's so much, like, there's so much work that goes into it. People think, oh, you know, you don't have to get up, you don't have to, you know, fly to Brazil and you know, live <laughs> yeah. in a place without running water. Um. So, you know, you don't have the, quite the same hardships, but I don't know, there's something... I think it's still I, the message there. I think it's all about, yeah, the message and knowing your, I guess, knowing who you're talking to and having that passion for the readers at the same time and that. So I think that kind of stuff is similar. Yeah, and I guess it, it may depend on who... You, I think you have, who you have the passion for is a really yeah useful place to start because, you know, if you have passion for people who have i don't know never heard you know the gospel story at all like that may not be for the modern world you may have to go to someplace like well brazil yeah. might be a bad example because there are a <laughs> lot of catholics in brazil but you might have to go yeah. somewhere sort of um very remote remote yeah particularly different from us like 180 degrees turned yeah from our experience but the the truth sort of is that our world needs a lot of that. I think even in the church, we need 
a lot more um, guidance, I guess, like good examples to, to hold yeah. up. Um, yeah. And maybe particularly because our, our day-to-day examples aren't so great. Um, yeah. Even, even our spiritual leaders aren't always what we'd hope them to be. So, um, you know, fiction gives you that deeper look into the whys and hows, you know? Yeah. Um, I'm sorry. And, and I'm just, I'm fascinated now with the idea of, of reading Lena's story in first person, because like you say, like there's something fundamentally unlikable about yeah. her in the first book. <laughs> I had to write it. I have probably almost an entire second book of things I've cut from Alina's story because she kept changing. Like she kept, I don't know, it's like I had to f- force her story out of her almost because she just wanted to hold it so tight. And to then, I don't know, she became one of these characters who did not do what I told her to do. Like I had to rewrite three chapters best. entirely. Yeah, there were three chapters entirely because she went and married the wrong guy. Sorry, I probably shouldn't say that. But it doesn't happen in the book. It's okay. But I, yeah, totally had her with someone else and then it just didn't work. And I had to pull out that entire section and rewrite it because she just didn't do what she was told. But I love how it ended up in the end that I, I don't know, I really hope her heart comes through because I love Alina. She's great now. But, no, I didn't really like her at the start. But I do well, now. <laughs> isn't that also still the magic of writing this is – I'm going to, you know, if you love the first book, you're going to pick up the second. You're obviously going to do that. If you've read the first book, pick up the second. Um, yeah. But to, to, I think that there's something really remarkable about picking up a book where the main character, where it's, you said first person, you know, you're in their head. Yeah. Um, that it's a person you may feel like you don't like and getting to understand people you don't like. Um, yeah. And how they and I, actually see themselves. I'm sorry. Yeah, please. I was just say, in the way, like saying how much fiction's influenced me. I think it's made me a lot more, um, I don't know, understanding, empathetic of people in real life, because of reading about them, because of getting inside their heads inside a book. To then, I don't know, walk around and you think, wow, everyone's got a story. Everyone's got this bit inside them that they just. That's what you'd see if you were reading their book, or that to think, yeah, it just gives you a bigger view I guess of the world and of people in it and yeah writing people's characters especially from first person has really made me like realize how much people have a story and what impacts them in that so yeah definitely powerful (laughs) so have there been any particular books that have stood out to you in that way where they actually did change the way that you you think and operate like any big things I just one like hundreds of books that have done that. Well, um, I guess anyone that really stood out, because I think that all of them do sort of move you around and you, you can say, well, this book definitely affected me, but maybe not say how, but if, I feel like there's always one one that sticks out and says, this changed me like this. That's That was important. Um, oh, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> maybe there's not. No, no, as in there's so many of them. I can't think of like one in particular that's been more than the others. Say the last... I've spent the last three weeks reading um, Connell and Cassette's um, biblical fiction ones, which are based around different characters. They're also written in first person, which is great. Um, Written in characters through like um, out of Egypt, the biblical ones out of Egypt, and then um, the cities of refuge. But just, I don't know, every night 
I've stayed up way past when I should to read them, just captivated by their stories and just the grace of God and just how much bigger my view of God's been through them. So that's been pretty cool lately. But I could name hundreds of books that have changed me in different ways. So sorry. I don't know if I can do just one. (laughs) That's all right. So if there was a takeaway, maybe I'll ask one takeaway when people Mm -hmm. read your book for what you would like to see them them do obviously they're going to do something different because real people are are like characters sometimes they're (laughs) they're never going to do quite what you ask them to but if there was something that you would say you would like to to see and and what a goal would be um i don't know i guess i would love people to realize that um i don't know there's always hope i think there's a lot of hope comes through my stories i've um just realizing that because um, because yeah, because of God, there is hope and put it really simply, but yeah. And just to not give up when life gets hard because I know guess the characters are going to get hard and life doesn't go like you expected. Same as my life doesn't go as you expected, but it doesn't mean that's the end. That's not a point to give up. It's time to keep going and keep seeing how God will use those expectations to that. Did that make any sense at all? I don't think it did. I think it did a little, Sorry. actually. No, no. It, it had me thinking something like, generally you authors are really mean to your characters and you put them through so much more <laughs> than most of us do in real life. That's true, yeah. So, you know, if they can get through it, you can. And I know you'd say, well, they're fictional. But like, I, I was just talking to someone last week, I think, and I said, you know, it's like a job interview. And I don't know if you've been on too many, but they're always worse just before you go into them than when you're in them and after, right? Like... That's true, Life, yeah. Life's never quite as bad as you build it up in your head. I wonder what that is, like what sort of <laughs> psychological issue that yeah. we built in there that we prepare for things. But so, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know if it, that's a practical thing, but. <laughs> no, well, I don't know. If you always prepare for the worst, maybe it's, maybe that's good. I don't know. Go marry a prince? <laughs> Yeah, see, you don't Probably always have so the princess ending. No. <laughs> no, that's true. Well, but. and it's not always, well, never mind. We'll, we'll leave that for, for reading the next book. Um, yep. So as we get close to the end here, I don't know if I prepped you for this or not, and if I didn't, I'm sorry, but um, I, I've tried to add a, a sort of actual real-world practical call to action that you know an mm-hmm. author is asked for. So did I actually ask you? For one of those, or I uh, or... mentioned it. <laughs> okay, is now where I say no. I have no idea what you're talking about, so I don't have to come up with one. Uh, well, um, then I would just say, well, we'll come up with one, and we'll we'll put it in the show notes after. But um, if you had I, thought of anything, that's fine. If you I hadn't, we'll just really cut know. all this out. <laughs> okay, cut it out. Um, no, I don't really know if I did come up with a call to action. I guess maybe if you were going along the lines of like my blog post to just kind of let go of your expectations and let God rule, I guess. I don't know. Is that a call to action or is that just a theme? I think it's that not a it could be a, thing. I think it could be a call to action because I think that we could ask ourselves, like how much am I trying to control what's going on? And, yeah. and how much do, well, like, because our, our lives, our modern lives today are all about expectations. You're they going are. to, to you know, speaking from a young adult book, right? Like you're going to finish school, you're going to go to college, university, you're going to 
find a good job. You're going to, you know, get married, have a family. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> uh, well, and maybe get married and have a family, or maybe not, or maybe you know, not, well, yeah. sometimes maybe I'll, I'll get married and have a family when I'm in my 30s, and, um, you know, you you lose out on so much that's happening around you if you're yeah. if you're that driven, and I I don't know about you, but like I always wanted to be that driven. I always wanted to be the kind that said I want to have this by this age and this by that age, and yeah, you know, I don't know. I think I that was a lot of what I had. Like I thought, yeah, I'll finish school. I'll become a teacher. I'll go to mission field, use it at teaching. I'll marry someone and we'll do missions together. And that will be my life. Like, and that, so yeah, I spent a lot of time in my late teens, early twenties, I guess, when I was dealing with arthritis and everything, just, I don't know, letting go of those dreams, I guess, in a way, but realizing that it wasn't so much that they were dead as that they were just different. Um, and it probably took me, a lot longer than it should to realize that I really liked my life as it was. It just, it looked different. Yeah. So I think that that actually is a good call to action though. What, when it comes down to it is just be open to yeah what, what God is doing around you and, and don't Not ignore so caught it. up in what you think it should be. Yeah. And what you think he wants you to do, because I think that happens yeah. too, right? Like we have this yeah. expectation that God wants us to do these things. And but it might look different to what we're actually doing. So. I think that it always looks different. I think it uh, always looks very different. <laughs> and yes. the only thing I was going to ask is, like, how much does the rheumatoid arthritis and that kind of thing, like, how much was that something that you, like, we never really touched on it, but it was it <laughs> really, like, was it the kind of thing that made you angry because it, cha- it you knew that it was going to change the way things were, or... Did yeah, you immediately accepted? Yeah. No, it, I went through, it probably took about a year, um, a year, just over a year to finally get to a point where I said, okay, this is, this is my life now. It's okay. It will be fine. I'm going to make it through this um, as opposed to, I know you go through, I think when you're diagnosed with something that you know will change your life um, and yeah, it changes your life a lot. It's like your energy levels. I gave up a lot of things. I, yeah, a lot of not just dreams, but physical things. I had to give up um, playing as much sport as usual. <laughs> um, but yeah, giving up a lot of that. You go through all the different stages of grief, of like denial and crying, lots of crying. Um, and then to then get to the point where you go, okay, well, I am going to make it through this. There is still hope. There is still God. God still has a purpose for me in this. Um, yeah, it took about a year, but then to get past that. And yeah, there's still days where it I would rather not have it. But then there are days where I realize how much it's impacted not only my writing but my life but and the way I talk to people, the way the fact that I'll sit down and listen to people as opposed to just running straight past them when I'm doing everything. Um, yeah, it's become something I really appreciate now as opposed to think it's the end. <laughs> uh, I think that that's – I mean, I, I feel like maybe we could have talked about that a lot more, but I look at authors Probably. like April McGowan. I don't know if you – you've met her. Yeah, I listened to that. To it was amazing. <laughs> but she just, she put so much empathy into her books because her life is so yeah, just complicated and hard. I think yesterday I saw a Facebook post from her that it was the first time she'd been outside in like six weeks. Um, yeah. And I think that's just, I, I, I don't know. I don't know if I could do that, but of course you could, right? Like that's the other. Well, if, if that's your option, away. then yeah. you have to. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, just so. the realization of how much, like 
those books I wrote before I had arthritis didn't have very much emotion in. I totally related to April when she said that um, in her podcast that that had changed her writing. I thought, yeah, the getting alongside people, just hearing their stories, knowing from my life how much, I know, the pain, guilt, the you know, depression, anxiety, all that kind of stuff that goes with it to then be able to write that into books in a more honest level, I guess. It's definitely, definitely became because I have this chronic disease. <laughs> yeah. So, well, yeah. And I think, you know, everyone says you've got to live life before you can write about it. I'm not entirely convinced of that. Nah, because, not totally, but it does help. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, I think everyone has a little something. And if you can find yeah. how to connect with that, um, yeah. you know, uh, Olivia, who was on a couple podcasts ago, you know, she's, she's younger than, than most of us by a good bit, but Yep. She brought a particular experience um, with family members at, that she was able to connect with and yeah. and find a way to empathize with. So, you know, looking forward to reading her book. Yeah, it's uh, is that it's coming out in a couple of weeks, isn't it? It, it is, Next and um, I actually I think um, the, it, by the time this is available for a listen, it, I'm sure that it's available you know, everywhere, but on our awesome. website right now, actually, if you went, it, it may be um, actually available as a surprise. If you buy it, <laughs> it won't, it won't just be on back order. It, uh, the, the ebook at least is available right now. So you could, cool. you could go and grab that. Um, I will totally do that. I've been looking forward to her book for ages. <laughs> and just remember there's a, there's a coupon code that for our author. Yeah. So you, you get a, you get a copy. So sweet. Um, <laughs> and for everyone else, we'll leave a coupon for that book uh, in the show notes too. Just uh, it may not be quite as good a coupon as we give to our other authors. So <laughs> you know, if you really want, if you want the good coupons to read all our books, uh, you know, become an author, become an author, and submit <laughs> to us. Do so it. I, yeah. So I think that uh, it's getting late for you, and we ought to. It's, all right. it's only ten o'clock. <laughs> oh, is it really? Uh, I, I I would be. I, I went to bed early last night preparing for this, so. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, Thanks. <laughs> but, but now I think I've over-coffeed, which was probably a mistake. <laughs> like, oh, good luck for the rest of the yeah. day. Yeah, jittery <laughs> and then crash. It'll be over. So, so if you don't drink it, coffee, you don't have that problem. No. Well, but if I didn't drink coffee, I would probably be, I'd be asleep. We wouldn't have had an interview. Okay, fine. So it's all right. So... Is there anything else, like last things that you would like to take away before before we leave for today? Anything I didn't touch on? Any really important things? I don't think so. <laughs> okay. No, I think we touched on most things. I think you could probably have numerous hours of talking on if you picked up every topic. So. No, well, that's, no. yeah. Awesome. Well, I hope that... Uh, Everyone's enjoyed listening. I've enjoyed talking, even if it was a bit too early. <laughs> to, you know, we're, we're all a bit introverted. So, you know, seeing people first thing in the morning is, you know, difficult. So um, thank you very much for coming on. Um, hopefully no you managed to be more comfortable as things went on. I know. Yeah, is, no, it'll be good. This is hard. It was fun. Thank you for joining us today for our talk with Hannah Curry. For more information about Hannah, please check out the show notes for links to our website, blog, social media, and books. And if you check out our website, whitefire.tv unexpressed, we ask you to consider if there's a difference between what God wants you to do with your life versus what you think God wants you to do. I think this is a really fascinating question, so come over to the website to see my own answer. 
This podcast is sponsored by Read Whitefire. There you can read the first two chapters of any Whitefire Publishing Group company's books. And if you like what you read, they're available for purchase in print format, as well as electronic formats for all the most popular e-readers. Some books even have signed copies available. And if you're a listener of this podcast, there's a chance you're a good candidate for Platy People, our membership program for unique readers. For just $5 a month or $50 a year, Platy People members get to choose two free books per month, a free novella, 15% off all purchases, including gift certificates, and free shipping to U.S. addresses. Why choose ordinary when you can read extraordinary? Unexpressed as part of the Whitefire Podcast Network. Please visit whitefire.tv slash podcast to find other shows we know you're going to love.